back to a bonus episode of the brand new podcast, SMT, a part of the Travelog Media Network. We are so incredibly lucky to be coming to you with a special guest, Doug Hycheck, producer of Monster Quest on the History Channel, wildlife researcher, brilliant inventor, and co-host on Untold Radio AM. Welcome, Doug. We're absolutely thrilled to have you with us. And we'd like to get into your current project in just a bit. But before we do that, uh, we've got a few questions about sure. Monster Quest. Um, wonder if you could start by giving us a behind the scenes, uh, some of the early talks with uh, execs at History Channel, you know, convincing them to give you the green light and yeah. maybe also the climate of paranormal programming at that moment. Yeah, I guess, um, let's see, it would have been 2005. I was pitching a show called Giganto. I just, you know, um, and certainly I wanted to tie it into the Bigfoot mystery. You know, this big, tall, uh, 10-foot ape that, you know, roamed Asia. And um, it didn't go anywhere. Nobody wanted it. Um, Just kept getting turned down. And one day I saw a promo for King Kong, the new Peter Jackson movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm going to call it the real King Kong. (laughs) And (laughs) So I called my agent up. I was all excited. He got excited. And literally the next day, he um, sold it basically to NBC um, (laughs) because they were actually tied in with the movie or own part of it or, you know, Mm -hmm. something. Anyhow, um, it went all over the world. Every exec in NBC signed off on it and it got vetoed by one of the execs, uh, the top execs here in New York. And just so happens that NBC owned part of History Channel. So they said, we'll take it to history. And so my agent took it to history. And I did Giganto, the real King Kong, um, set a new record on the History Channel. They called me up like the next day after it aired. And they said, hey, can you do more of these? (laughs) You know, same formula. I said, yeah. I mean, it was one second. Um, And that was uh, kind of the the, uh, birth of Monster Quest. I see. That's oh my wow. gosh! <laughs> but but yeah, but you had mentioned um, paranormal and you know Bigfoot shows or crypto shows mm-hmm. were not real big back in two thousand five. In fact, it was kind of a the dead zone. You know, right. there wasn't really anything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was kind of an uphill battle, I would imagine. But it was that tie-in to the real King Kong, and then proving to History Channel that a cryptid show could do really big numbers. Yeah. Because, like I said, we, we literally set a new record over there. So, sometimes, sometimes um, you know, hunches are better than knowledge. Right. Oh, wow. And do you, do you have any episodes in particular that were favorites of yours when, when it first came oh, out? Gee. Um Obviously, I really liked uh, Giganto, The Real King Kong. A lot of people haven't seen that one. Um, For some reason, they've kind of kept that. I think it's kept out of the streaming services. Not sure why. um, But other than that, my favorite would be um, Sasquatch Attack. um, Mm -hmm. I still think about that cabin literally probably every day. I don't think a moment goes by where I don't doesn't pop into my head that I want to go back there. Um, so Sasquatch attack one and two, um, 
the giant squid obviously was a yes. big success. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, there's not really any that stand out other than the ones that were successful, but they were all really challenging to produce. Every one of them were. Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you have any um, experiences, like sighting experiences? Personally, yeah, of course. Um, um, never during the filming of Monster Quest, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I always seem to catch you off guard. Um there was a time that um, uh, me and Yvette were driving back from, um, where were we? Somewhere near Grand Rapids. And we were driving along a highway called 169 that borders one of the biggest lakes in Minnesota, Mille Lacs Lake. And we see something standing in the road. And we think it's a, you know, right away, I think it's a moose. Mm-hmm. Um, waving its antlers back and forth, like I'm looking at its butt. And then as I get closer to it, I'm thinking, God, that's bigger than a moose. And then a brain is going elk, uh, oh all gosh. these different things, because it was kind of a lighter color. Mm. So I was just thinking giant ungulate. I don't know. I wasn't thinking ape. And as we got closer, we could see the arms waving back and forth like a... Um, a hula dancer? Does that make any sense? Okay. Ah. And and hair <laughs> on the bottom of the arms was blowing in the wind, and it was just waving its hands, not not real violently, but it was waving its hands back and forth as if to be drying off. Hmm. Oh wow! You know, um, Interesting. Wow. It, it, oh no! My huh? headlights just you know, in my brights and I've got bright halogen or not halogen led headlights. And so you could see this as clear as day. we see the, you know, the hands, the fingers, the huge shoulders. Um, but it had its back turned to us. Oh my gosh. So we knew it was a Bigfoot. Um, and then like an idiot, I just drove right on by (laughs) (laughs) kind of like, um, that is incredible. You're in the headlights. But yeah, we were four foot away from that creature. Wow. And we definitely oh got God. a great look. It could not have been anything else. I mean, it was massive. Um, the shoulders I can only describe describe as a, uh, you know, six foot wide piece of wood, you know, like plywood. Oh Oh my gosh. Um, it was, wow. you know, bigger than a grizzly, a polar bear. Um, wow. Could you smell anything? <laughs> no, <laughs> we couldn't. We had the window so some of these cryptids okay. do, they do have a, there is a smell associated, I think, with yeah. many of these. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. working on some science on that um, because we've actually collected a sample of the smell. We have it mm. captured. Hmm. We're going to get it analyzed, and we have a number of chemicals we're going to be looking for in it. And basically what it was was something that we got it to handle that was absorbent plastic. Uh-huh. And for really? Reason, I mean, this thing is handled. We have a research area, and we've had a number of things handled. But this particular one object, um, when it was picked up, and the gentleman was walking it back to his cabin thought he was being tracked by a Bigfoot because the smell was overwhelming. <laughs> and then he wow. realized it was coming from the bag. Wow. 
And of course I drove up there immediately and smelled it. We, um, it was definitely the smell. It smells like a dead body combined with wet dog horse manure. Lovely. Uh, but just, it is the worst smell you've ever, I mean, it's gagging. Ugh. And, and yet I, now I want to go smell this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be welcome to. Um, and it was, and when I smelt it, it had already been wrapped in plastic and frozen in a deep freeze. Wow. And it was begging even under a deep freeze. Um, and there was a, there was a time uh, very recently that we were on horseback. We were on a Bigfoot expedition. We were filming and we had gone through this trail on horses and we were coming back and all of a sudden we all got hit with the smell because they seem to be able to produce it. It doesn't seem to be their, you know, like body odor. It seems to be something they're producing um, when they're agitated or they want to intimidate or scare somebody away or. Oh, wow. Know, like a skunk, maybe. Could be mm. Very much like a skunk. Yes. So we're, we're riding through and all of a sudden we get hit with this gag gagging smell we're literally covering our faces you know you instantly want to throw up um, <laughs> oh. that bad. yeah but yet wow. we had been through there half an hour earlier so we knew it wasn't a rotting corpse you know mm. or a dead animal so we get up um we're covering our face and then all of a sudden up ahead on the trail we see a coyote that's laying sideways on its side but we can see its eyes blinking. Hmm. So it's laying down and we're thinking, what is, you know, you once again, you're just, you're caught off guard by all these things. Yeah. And yeah. you see this coyote. Now with this coyote's laying on its side, but it's alive. Hmm. So we dismount between the smell and the coyote. Mm -hmm. um, we're like, what's going on? And then the smell went away totally. And the coyote is freshly paralyzed. Hmm. Fear. No blood, wow. it, no blood. You can see big handprints on its spine. What? Where its spine was literally severed instantly. Oh, what? Oh. But yet there's no marks. There's no blood. There's no bruising. It's just pulled apart. You can feel oh. the gap in the spine. And so this coyote is paralyzed, laying on the trail. And then we're starting to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Because we have long suspected coyotes literally have a symbiotic relationship with these things. And it's as if it grabbed one of its pets, snapped its spine, and threw it on the trail to intimidate us. Wow. Um, I know that's a lot to take in. <laughs> but I've had a number of experiences with coyotes, wolves, and Bigfoots. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, certainly happy to relay another very yeah. strange story, but we had to dispatch the coyote. Um, <laughs> wow. And it's, it's one of those things, you know, you get, um, you put it in your gray basket, but yeah. you take note of it because too many coincidences. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Doug, I, I, I this kind of ties in with what, what I want to, the, the next question I wanted to kind of cover is, you know, we have all these new ways of recording, like every, everyone's got a smartphone these days, just about. So, yep. and so people are able to capture these experiences more and more. And so uh, just 
kind of curious how you would how you would kind of characterize today's you know media landscape in 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 terms of like the unexplained and and also you know movies tv and now we have this podcast boom and and all these different ways of people bringing their bringing their individual experiences um and how do you think this is you know expanded the debate and people's awareness you know are there things people are talking about now that they weren't 10 or 20 years ago well, first off, there's a couple of things. Um, first off, social media that's in everybody's pocket has finally got people to communicate, okay? Because we were all having experiences, seeing UFOs, mm-hmm. seeing having creature sightings, ghosts, whatever, the whole gamut. But we weren't talking to anybody. So now the Internet has both allowed us to talk and communicate anonymously. It's allowed us to get information, to form groups. I'm a new member to social media, just one year, um, literally not even a year yet from nowhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I was amazed. I mean, I kind of dropped off the map after Monster Quest socially, although I was continuing research and talking to a very hardcore group of people. I had no, none of them ever said, hey, you should get on social media. There's uh, 10,000 Bigfoot groups, you know. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. I think they assumed I knew all that. I didn't. Uh-huh. Wow. I had no idea. Um, I had no idea of many things. But then you have also a phone in your pocket. Recording mm-hmm. abilities. Everybody does. I mean, even our little kids do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yet, but yet those cameras are so worthless for taking um, photos and videos of things that are far away because those phones are designed to take close up pictures, you know, five feet, six feet. It's a wide angle, 3.6 millimeter lens. It takes time to get it to fire up. We were better off in 1967 to get the footage. For instance, the Patterson If Roger Patterson would have had a iPhone 13 in his pocket you would not be seeing any footage. It is guaranteed. There would be hmm. none. If anything, there may have been footage that would have been only when it was like the second group or third group when it was almost gone, you know, walking hmm. up the mountain. Um, and then it would have been tiny, 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 because the, the 3.6, you know, millimeter wide, wide angle lens is not going to get anything. Um, yeah. You know, I tell everybody, Take a test. How long it takes you to get your phone fired off from dead off? You know what I mean? Or have right. some just it, get footage right now your back. Just, yeah. and do that to your spouse and see how long it really takes them to get their <laughs> camera fired up. Roger Patterson only had to squeeze a trigger <laughs> because it was a spring wind, fixed focus camera. It was on one, two, three, you know, boom, it was on. Right. And um, I've had paranormal events that I've tried to catch on camera um including ufos even in the daytime and it's always they're far away by the time i get my phone on you know they're never where they were so uh that's uh (laughs) those are my opinions yeah well while we're on this i mean i know um i know ariel wanted to uh, follow i had a a follow-up on the uh, museum but since we're on this while we're on the topic of uh cameras why don't we uh I'd like you to talk to, uh, to uh, talk to us about the um, the underwater camera that oh, uh, yes. you developed. 
Yeah. Because we, we saw that you had actually invented the camera system that caught that first real footage of the, the giant squid that you yes. mentioned earlier. And I got to tell you, that was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, it was amazing. And what wasn't mentioned was whether the camera itself is now being used by other scientific real search researchers, or if you, there are other prototypes that have been made or in, in other expeditions. Yeah, I can, uh, I can expound on that a bit. Um, well, first off, um, the whole idea of my theory was that the, the true giants stayed deep, right? Mm -hmm. Never came up. They never migrated up and down the water column. So they're always going to be in the dark, inky depths, yeah. thousand foot and below. Right. Um, so that makes researching them extremely difficult. And they've always in the past used ROVs. The Smithsonian has spent God knows how much money trying to uh, get footage for yeah. years. I mean, since I was young, they had been trying and had never done it. Mm -hmm. And I'm a fisherman and I just thought, hey, I'm going to take a camera system that's hardwired. Um, uh, I, I started with a well camera for, for studying deep really? wells. Hmm. Yeah. And I adapted that um, for this squid cam. And the idea was then to attach the camera to a living creature to use as like a minnow or bait, just like a fisherman would. It's the worm. Oh, wow. And so it's, bottom line, it's just a matter of catching a, a, a squid with traditional methods that was big enough to carry the camera, hmm. figuring out a, an attachment method, which we did, you know, um, with literally a pin and a cotter, a cotter key, just mechanical as heck, you know, with a sharp point on it that we could um, put it on the squid without injuring it, mm -hmm. carried the, the payload, had the camera so it was balanced so the weight of it would aim forward um, and uh, let it go and just let it do its thing. And lo and behold, the first time we try it, here comes a giant out of the depths that comes to eat it as it was what? once again traveling down the vertical water column. Wow. And so I, the theory was that the small squid, the smaller squid, travel up and down. And the big one is the same squid um, or a similar species that just got out of its niche. I actually believe even giant squid, the smaller ones travel up and down the water column. Hmm. Where the big one might be a rare one that just is, is probably a female, gets out of its niche and decides to never breed or lay eggs. And therefore, it doesn't die because squid have a very short life. Um, hmm. There, it can just grow and grow and grow forever in these sterile, you know, uh, deep waters. Wow. So that was the theory. And of course, it worked. We tried it again and failed. Um, and we had a, a, another camera that I had invented, um, a camera that could measure with a laser beam, two laser beams. Uh -huh. That may have scared off any success. And I feel mm -hmm. that if we wouldn't have done that. Had the, you know, there's always a trade-off. If we wouldn't have the two laser beams, uh, I think we may have gotten another squid, you know, on camera. Okay. But it was the laser beams that were important because we wanted to measure it. But since then, um, there's a new two-hour show called Predators of the Deep on the History Channel Vault that anybody can, I think it's free, I think you have to sign up, but it's free to watch. And that's the one where they confirm 
after all these years, finally confirmed it was an architect that stucks through experts, did other forensics, came to more conclusions, um, added a couple of interviews, and then kind of packaged the two shows that we did. Um, but that's called Predators of the Deep and certainly recommend people watch it. Sure. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And then <clears throat> speaking of, of all things cameras, because this <laughs> I have so many questions. Um, the We also noticed on your Facebook that you were working on this holographic camera lens. Yes. And what arenas would you like to see this lens being utilized in? Because I don't know if you were aware of this. I'm sure you, you probably are. Um, that the medical community could really use that technology. Yes. Yep. That was actually why I developed it. For the medical oh my industry. Gosh. Okay. Okay. I was. Um, we were working with one of the top um, neurosurgeons in the world. Ah. Really. And we wanted to do. Um, we actually pitched him doing a show on his amazing work and other neurosurgeons and all the breakthroughs that are happening in neurosurgery. I mean, they're literally implanting um, leads. Uh, diamonds um, for electrical leads and controlling, um, for instance, um, paralyzed people so they can walk again. Taking okay. um, away uh, Parkinson's uh, symptoms, on and on and on. You know, there's just so many breakthroughs in neurosurgery. Brain aneurysm. These people mm. were pioneering it. And one of the things that I really wanted to do was to be able to project a 3D hologram in somebody's head. Because one thing about holograms and the way we perceive them is they can be inserted into solid objects. For instance, I could insert a 3D hologram inside somebody's head and then the skin and the skull become transparent. Okay, my mind is blown. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it is kind of a, it's a, it's a mind uh, explosion that happened to me the first time that I did it. Because I can take a solid block of steel, for instance, and I can project a hologram on the inside of the steel and wow. see it in three dimensions. And what? you can see it's in the, it's in the plane of inside the steel. Wow. Yeah. yeah this is I mean, next, this gosh. next level for sure. And so the idea... <laughs> Things that we only imagined in sci-fi. Mm -hmm. Just stuff people don't even think about. Um, and the first time I discovered it, um, I didn't know quite what to think. But then I guess there's so much we don't know about quantum mechanics, light, what light is, um, photons. Um, just how all these things work together. And to me, the whole the whole thing with light is just magical. I mean, the thing absolutely the way we perceive light. And so, yeah, the medical was the first thing I wanted to do it. But this could be used, you know, to uh, facilitate movies, special effects, mm -hmm. <laughs> real time, mm -hmm. where um, they could have instant feedback. You know, actors could have instant feedback on animation. It's kind of got a yeah. whole length of things oh, yeah. so many applications we can't even think of yet yeah yeah Amazing. but my first inclination was medical and i've been involved in medical um filming and tv shows for a long time a lot of people don't know that um i have done things tv series that um it's just you know i'm just not known for 
Mm-hmm. Doug, how do you see yourself continue, continuing your your contribution to uh, you know, scientific fields? Uh, do you think one day that we'll have the ability to, you know, irrefutably capture uh, we call paranormal paranormal phenomena? Yeah. Um, so my so my research is ongoing. In fact, I'm working with Adam Colt and. We have a number of AI cameras out right now in the forest. Oh, wow. Trying to capture exactly what you just mentioned. Nice. These are different than your normal, you know, game trail cameras. or They're different than your normal surveillance cameras. And we have been recording some interesting phenomena um, that have us puzzled. We don't know necessarily the answers. The actual company that's um, that we're working with on the cameras is puzzled by some of the things that we're capturing. Really? Um, well, can you yeah. describe one? Or? Yeah, I mean, we've actually even recorded some time glitches with animals leaping forward, yet the time code is not moved. Ah. Um, things like that, uh, magnetic anomalies uh, with that have affected... Um, Affected, I can only call it mist um, okay. because we don't know what it is, but it's acting in a very erratic, very strange. There's some of that's posted on my Facebook page. Okay. A lot of debate on what it is. Is it humidity? Is it mist? Is it fog? But look at the way it's behaving. It's behaving similar to the way the northern lights behave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Like it's being affected by some type of electromagnetic anomaly. And this, <clears throat> these cameras are on an area that we call the Skinwalker Ranch in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So there's already a ton of activity there that's yes. being seen by all of its, all the neighbors, mm-hmm. um, people as far as two miles away. Um, it's really quite an area. And it's kind of endless, all of the things that have been going on there. We've recorded all these weird orbs that are far more solid than any orbs I've ever seen. Um, ooh, what else? Um, <laughs> there's another phenomena um, that I've been, you know, studying, which is, of course, the Bigfoot phenomena, which isn't really a phenomenon. It's a mystery. You know, we don't know what yes. it is. Um, I've seen one. I know they're real, but I don't know what it is. Um, but we've been collecting hair there on a regular basis. And it's allowed me to do a lot of scientific work with the hair because I'm not I'm not short of it. For, for instance, last week, we collected another 20 hairs. Well, that allows us to do things with One, we're going to be planning and getting the baseline DNA because under a microscope, it's been vetted. No medulla, naturally worn in, slightly smaller diameter. It's a little more flexible than human hair, but it has human scaling. It's not from any other known animal in North America, right down to the color. You know, it's a reddish, kind of a reddish color. Well, we don't have anything reddish in Minnesota other than fox. And we've mm-hmm. got a, you know, one of the areas we're taking it from is a literally a scratching pole which is a high power pole and a power line. And this particular property has got a whole bunch of rivers that come into it, streams, 
power line cut, railroad tracks. It's got all these corridors, travel corridors, mm -hmm. which I believe is one of the reasons there's so much activity there. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a breakthrough the other night, um, two days ago, just got it confirmed by one other researcher. Um, I'm working with a, one other scientist right now um, that's seen what we've done. This will be announced soon and will help every researcher in America gather more evidence. Um, there's one unique property of Bigfoot hair that nobody knows about. Ooh. And it's huge. Oh my gosh. It's mm. really huge. You know, this will allow people to also help collect it um, much easier all over the country, including scientists. And it's extremely visual. Um, I'm going to maybe announce it at the Minnesota Bigfoot Conference, mm -hmm. but I need, I need one more confirmation. So I don't, I don't make a fool, you know, science, you need to yeah. read things. So I took hair from another location that was collected by another researcher and had him do the tests and it came out exactly the same because his, wow. his hairs are highly vetted also. We then tried to duplicate it with every animal in North America, could not be done, um, including every type of human hair, including infants, mm -hmm. people with dyed hair, gray hair, Wow. Red, I mean, every kind, and we have not been able to duplicate what we can do with the Bigfoot hair so oh far. Goodness. Only thing, but there is one, there's one thing that is so visual that I really think it's going to um, be a big scientific discovery. It changed the, the landscape. It's going to change everything. And so I'm okay. really excited about it. In fact, you're the first podcast that this has been announced. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's Exclusive. an honor. <laughs> that is an honor. Well, and, you know, we're the one... first to talk to me after this discovery. So there you go. Time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're delighted. Thank you. Delighted. Yes, absolutely. You know, and that was, that was going to be one of my, my questions because you had brought up the Patterson Gimlin film. Yes. But, but the thing, and, and somebody had said, oh, well, somebody came forward about that. But the one thing that seems to be missing from all this, the, the research and everything is, and everybody asks is, where's a body? Why isn't there a body? And it's, it's, you know, maybe they bury them. Maybe we, we don't know. We don't know. And I, you know, I have the same questions. Um, there certainly are a number of very large bones that have been unearthed. Don't really, we don't really have much of an explanation. I've, I've even confirmed it with curators of museums. Mm -hmm. And they've even told me they're untouchable because they've been claimed by the natives. And so we have to honor their wishes and they're not to be studied. They're not to be, you know, moved around, touched. Um, interesting. But some of them are quite, you know, they're larger than normal. Um. I just don't, I don't really have any answer for it. Um, bones disappear pretty quick. I did a study for History Channel. I took a deer, freshly uh, roadkill deer. Mm -hmm. We literally even cabled it down with uh, big cables to the ground so it couldn't be dragged off by a predator. Then we put a very high-end time-lapse camera on it to see how long it took for the whole thing to just disappear. 
And I'm mm. trying to remember what show that was in. Um, I don't even know. It was in one of the Monster Quest shows. And it's okay. been used. In fact, I saw it recently on Ancient Aliens. I used my clip on uh -huh. that. Um, but just show how quickly bones, flesh, everything just disappears. Okay. Wow. It's okay. Very quick. North America is not conducive for fossils. For instance, here, here's an interesting fact very few people know. We have no fossils of any of our modern animals. Hmm. We have none. We actually have really? more evidence of Bigfoot because we have jaw, you know, that what, what could be a Bigfoot jaw and teeth of a, you know, a very oh, large primate. But we have no, no uh, fossil evidence or ancient evidence of modern deer, bear, buffalo, um, elk, yeah. you know, any of these modern animals, fox. They don't exist on the record. Right. You know, we have modern bones, but for instance, if Earth ever got, you know, hit by a big asteroid, everything burned up, there would be no evidence that any of our modern animals existed. Hmm. Wow. That is interesting. Wow. And so North America is not conducive for fossils. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are finds, but they're from, you know, way, way, way back. And so modern animals just you know, from the last 400,000 years are just, there's no, there's no trace of them. Hmm. So I, you know, it, it surprises me, but yet it doesn't. Um, think of the right, all the right things that would have to happen in order to find a body. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, Newsweek interviewed me and asked me, well, what do you think is going to, you know, are we ever going to find a body? How's this mystery ever, ever going to end? And mm -hmm. I told them Tesla. <laughs> it's going to be an electric semi <laughs> comes around a corner some night silently mm -hmm. and hits one of these things at 60 miles an hour that might mm. solve the mystery mm. and oh. Well, wow. Wow. Well, Doug, it's interesting. You just, uh, you, just a moment ago, you were talking about the fossils and we, and you know, we wanted to, and there is uh, an international cryptozoology museum and we understand that you have you, you you've been involved in that you want to uh talk about that for a little for a little bit sure sure um yeah i um had the pleasure of um, hanging out with lauren here a few weeks back and um uh we got to talking and the next thing you know you know we're talking about the location um his need for more space and um, doing um, uh, a miniature of his museum. The next thing you know, it's like uh, I basically offered Lauren. I said, hey, let me uh, take a crack at designing the future home for the International Cryptozoology Museum. And he said, yeah, let's do it. Um, and so I designed, uh, the, you know, I drew a sketch and he approved it. He gave me ideas of what he wanted, and and it's a very cool building. And then I actually built a scale miniature at 164 scale. And this will also be a scale model that can be purchased to help okay. raise money for the new building through the museum. Okay. Um, and where can, can people do that? Is um, through, his, through Lauren Coleman's uh, 
uh, museum web- website. Okay. I don't have the address in front of me. Okay, we can find I that. Yeah. It. yeah, maybe you can post it. Yeah, absolutely. But these kits will actually be for sale uh, very shortly. The kits are ready literally to ship to Lauren. I'm working on the instruction sheet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Boring. It's not good. <laughs> it's like I've been procrastinating. I'm partly through, and hopefully I'll get it done this week. That's all it's. <laughs> It's oh, only wow. holding up the project right now, so. Cool, cool. That's, All right, we'll, we'll look. We're looking forward to to this uh, to the development. Did, and, did, did you guys yeah. see a picture of it on the head on the website? Yes, yes, a we few did. pictures. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's um, pretty cool. Yeah, it's going to have a. Um, it's not a giant building. It's very affordable, um, but it's going to have some very Disney esque type features. Uh, one of them on the outside will actually be using technology. There'll be a big giant porthole that you can watch um, Nessie ah. swimming. Oh, wow. Nice. On this beautiful aquarium. Nice. And it will look real. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I think it'll be fascinating. But that'll be something you'll be able to do, view from the outside of the building. Phenomenal. You know, yeah, that's one of the amazing. Yep. We're, we're going to have to go see that. Absolutely. Jason, we Absolutely. Have to take on our tour, on our world oh, yeah. tour. We're planning a tour. We're, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll to make go a trip. And, and, and see all these things. Well, don't forget Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That would be amazing. Absolutely. And Doug, uh, do you, I was wondering if you had any updates or anything you could share about your, um, your, uh, I understand you're working on a, um, part two of uh, yes. your 2003 documentary uh, Sasquatch Leg- Legend Meets Science. Is there anything right. you can share with us at this particular sure. moment? Um, other than we are working on it. We're actually mm-hmm. doing filming. Um, I'm really excited about this. Another, so it's actually 20, 21 new scientific categories that we're looking at with the Sasquatch mystery. Mm. And so we're going to be presenting 21 new pieces of evidence um, to basically, I guess my personal goal is to get far more scientists involved. I think this documentary will help some scientists get the million dollar grant. It's a mainstream scientist. Mm-hmm. There's going to be so much new, interesting things in the doc, um, including what we had just announced. Um, but there's other things like us analyzing the skin oil, the SSLs, the surface skin lipids, um, which we call albavernix, um, Sasquatch albavernix. That is really 3D evidence as an example. People have been saying, oh, the thing left dusty fingerprints on my window. <laughs> on the camper door, on the car. And I've had and collected and seen these things myself, but I always just thought it was dust. You know, mm-hmm. they touched the car that was dusty. Mm-hmm. And one day it hit me. That's not dust. That's actual skin oil. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So the wow. residue left behind is actually a whitish, waxy skin oil. Okay, so that was my initial thoughts. And I'm thinking, if it's skin oil, there's going to be dead skin cells. Okay. Hmm. That's going to allow us to get DNA. Plus, you can photograph the latent details, which pretty tough to fake fingerprints. Mm -hmm. Um, And then 
and then you see so you've got latent details, you've got DNA, and then you also have the chemical compounds of the skin oil or the sebum, which I know dang well is going to be different than humans, different than gorillas, different than orangutans, chimps, which have already been analyzed. Um, for instance, humans have a lot of triglycerides in their skin oil. Mm-hmm. Gorillas don't have hardly any. So let's just say this all comes out the way we want it to be and and, and shows it's very, very different. Mm-hmm. And we can get DNA to help confirm the baseline DNA we're going to get from the hair. And this is something that any researcher can get. Because if you have like a gifting area or an area that you know they frequent, you can literally plan their curiosity and get them to touch glossy items and leave this this um, uh, these lipids bind that then could be swabbed away, kept in a paper envelope, and tested for both the chemical compound and the DNA. Wow. So, so what you're really saying here, and this is so exciting, um, is that one day the the Sasquatch Bigfoot could actually be taken out of cryptid cryptid hood um <laughs> oh absolutely even off the list even, and be verified we're actually hoping through the funding that's going to come through legend Mean science that we end up with baseline dna why because we have so many samples oh, i've been goodness. collecting hair samples for well since monster quest went off the air mm-hmm. highly vetted ones unlike like brian sykes um that tested a, a bunch of hair but he they weren't vetted they were just given to him willy-nilly from all sorts of sources many were not vetted um these are have been vetted to the point where we and we've got a huge number of them hmm. um that's the big key difference and dna analysis is now 10 times better than it was last year and it was 10 times better from the year before. So when studies were done in the past, you cannot compare them to what we can do today. And we are working with the best genetic labs in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so we really That's- hope that this, I mean, what a great, what a great venue to release the information. Yeah, and to and to be a part of that. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's where we're really excited. Um, this is not going to be your normal doc that just kind of, you know, goes through the same old same old information, entertains you. This is going to go through twenty one new pieces of evidence. It's going to look at even old evidence in new ways. For instance. Uh, let's talk footprint casts. We're going to go on an electron scanning journey into the footprint cast. Mm. We're going to be studying the, the skin, the sweat pores. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. We're going to then, without a shadow of a doubt, prove that guys like uh, Ray Wallace did not make these footprints, that yeah. these have microscopic details, and that those microscopic details are different than humans different than any other animal if you're following me now yes Mm -hmm. so there's a way of looking at an old piece of evidence in a new way and those are the types of things we're going to be doing that awesome is amazing i can't wait i cannot wait to see this this oh my goodness 
Now, I'm as excited as you are. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm speechless, actually. I, yeah. I'm like sitting here in, in awe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be um, it's going to be an eye opener. My goal as a producer will be to get everybody's light bulb to go off. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you all know when you, you know, you learn something new, whether it's mathematics or history, it takes a while to sink in sometimes. Right. And then sometimes certain facts just make your light bulb go off and they're, they're life changing. Yeah. The aha moment. Yeah. It's an aha moment. I'm planning through um, a little different strategy in filmmaking to make sure that everybody has those aha moments in each piece of evidence. Mm. Brilliant. It's going to be Brilliant. phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. So... Wow. So anyhow, that's, uh, I was going to mention, you have an amazing voice. <laughs> How do you pronounce your, 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 your first name? Uh, me? Yes. yes you. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Ariel. Ariel. You're like, yeah, like cereal, yeah. Ariel. <laughs> you have an amazing voice. So oh, thank you. This is one of your first podcasts you're going to go far. Yeah. Oh, right. Wow. Thanks. That's quite a compliment. Thanks. Um, oh, you do too, Jason. I don't want to hear about you. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm just the co-host. So, <laughs> but you did a really good job of picking a partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, I'm blushing over here. Um, <laughs> you can't see it, but you can't see it, but it's it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, this has been probably the most amazing experience talking to you and hearing about all these 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 upcoming things. And I, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this, uh, of us and our, our launch. And wow. Yeah. It, this... yeah I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored. Um, I think you guys will do good. Yeah. You know, if you're curious about the unknown, um, that's everything. Yeah. You're trying to do a podcast, but yet you're not curious. People see right through it. But right. when you're doing something and you're really sincere and super curious about a topic, that's when magic happens. Yeah. Just, right. I mean, wanting to, to go beyond just the, the surface and, and understand the science behind it and, you know, why are the things the things? Yeah. Exactly. It was such an honor to have you be part of our project. And uh, yeah, Woo. please, please come back anytime. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, it was my honor, and I wish you guys a ton of luck with the new podcast. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Hope you come back. Yay. <laughs>